at heart, you know, it's it's by good fun, good times, good chance, you know, and that's a universal, right? Doesn't matter what what culture you're from. People like, like to come to your nice space. They like to have a nice drink, whether it's alcoholic or not, and listen to some good music. If they want to talk a bit about other things, if it if they come here and it makes them go and do a bit of research and learning afterwards, and that's great. Everybody in Australia is living, working, being on unceded Aboriginal land, but few people engage with it as deeply and, I guess, honestly, as Brendan Keown. He has recently opened Yarra Falls, a bar in Melbourne that uh, attempts to engage with Australia's pre-colonial history. Brendan, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, Danny. Great to be here. Awesome to have you here. You've got a long history in hospitality and some of it was not in Australia. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Uh, give us a little bit of backstory. Sure, sure. The Brendan Keown story. Um, well, I mean, uh, I got my first job uh, as a bartender at the age of 14. Um, obviously, back in Ireland, they're much more relaxed about that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> Sounds like it. That's, yeah, um, absolutely. That must have been a very interesting start. You know what? It was actually a fantastic start. Um, for me, so it was a, I lived in the country in Ireland, um, uh, so not you know that far from anywhere. Ireland's a pretty small place, but there was a fun, really good restaurant about a hundred yards up the road. So my sister worked there, my brother worked there, and then I worked there, and um, uh, they taught me a lot um, about. You know, looking back, you know, what I would call hospitality now. Um, although, you know, at the time that term didn't wasn't really in kind of use. It was just, you know, you, you worked you worked at a restaurant and a bar. But so many good things about um, service. It was uh, it was very well regarded for its food. It was, you know, there wasn't a lot of like great dining spots in that part of the country in like you know the early mid nineties. You know, um, and yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I loved everything about the job. You know, I loved. Pol- I had to polish and wash every glass by hand. There was no such thing as a glass washer, um, but I took so much pride in it. I loved cleaning the bottles on the back bar and looking at all those weird. Like looking back, you know, Crag and Moor. I remember the label of that just made such an impression. It seemed so otherworldly, you know. And I loved. I loved pouring the beer. I loved making glasses of water. Was my favorite thing because we did it in a wine glass with ice and lemon and. Looking back, you know, I just, you know, it's where, that's where it started, like a love for, for taking pride in even the smallest things, you know. Um, but I never, I never did hospitality as a full-time career until I came to Australia, actually, in, uh, or rather back to Australia in 2010. Um, I'd actually been working uh, suited and booted uh, in public relations, would you believe it, back in London. Um, I worked in, like, property and planning PR, did a little politics on the side. Um, wow. Yeah, look, uh, but you know, it's it's. I think that's quite a common story in a lot of hospitality. People come from all backgrounds. You, you know, it's quite interesting. A lot of a lot of people change careers um, to come to this because they're not getting what they want out of their career, and that kind of counted for me as well. Um, you know, I was kind of doing okay in it. You know, it wasn't the most amazing job, but I enjoyed it. And then obviously the the crash happened, or the GFC, as no one else in the world calls it, apart from Australia. Um, uh, and I was working in property planning, so that was just the bottom fell out of that. Never had to take a pay cut. So my partner at the time, um, a fantastic lady called uh, Dominic Easter, um, who is doing great things in London at Silo. Now she kind of runs the wine program for them. Um, she was like, "Let's go back to Australia because if you're going to be broke, you may as well be broke in the sun." So I uh, came back to Sydney in 2010, and that was—I'm not sure. Are you a Sydney Sydney lady yourself down here? You're Melbourne. 
I'm so Melbourne. That You're is so Melbourne. such a weird question. <laughs> love Sydney, love Sydney so much, but I am Melbourne okay. through and through. Well, I wasn't sure. Sometimes you might have the passion of a convert, you know what I mean? <laughs> I get that, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe that's just the Northern Ireland in me coming out. Um, but, uh, and it was a really exciting time uh, in Sydney in 2010 because uh, Clover Moore, um, had only recently been elected and the, they started liberalising the licensing costs. Um, and there was a positive feeling at the time that Sydney needed to up its game. You know, Melbourne had always had always led the way in terms of hospitality for the breadth and depth, you know, of, it, of its scene, that small bar vibe. It just didn't really exist in Sydney unless you count, you know, legendary spots like Barons from back in the day. But even they were notable by their, you know, exceptionalism. Um, so coming back, you know, I was at the time wanting to kind of still get back into what I've been doing in London. I did an internship with GetUp for a while around the carbon tax campaign. Um, but I was also working at a dive bar, uh, I think, which has passed into a bit of legend now uh, in Sydney called The Flinders. And um, it was just like doing hospitality full-time um, at the age of 27. Um, just being a little bit older and it was such a rush again. It reminded me of that first job. And... I started to really enjoy it. And I was thinking, God, if only I could have a job that combined, you know, being an MP during the day and a bartender at night, um, that'd be perfect for me. But that job doesn't exist yet. And uh, my partner, she opened a fantastic little bar there in Sydney called the Hazy Rose, um, which was great. Worked there with her and her uh, kind of best friends and her housemate, uh, a lady called Harriet Lee, um, who does great things with Archie Rose these days. And... Yeah, uh, you know, um, Dominic just said to me, why don't you give hospitality everything for the first time? You know, give it everything for a couple of years and see what happens. Uh, and the rest, the rest is history, really. I, you know, I realized that this, you know, all the, all the possibilities of the industry kind of opened up for me, like actually by, by kind of appreciating it fully as a full-time job. And yeah, um, the Here's Your Rose did great uh, for, for about five years there. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, I moved on then to uh, work at the Baxter Inn um, with uh, a pretty fantastic crew of people. And I think quite a few people who were kind of coming up, you know, in that there was a, a generation that came up at that time from like 2010, 2008. You know, there's a lot of people who, who work together as bartenders have moved on to open brands to be, you know, kind of to, to run brands and training, um, you know, here overseas, New York and Singapore. But at the time, we were all kind of working together and having a great time, um, I think, with uh, Swillhouse. Um, you know, they've got a great vision. That company, Baxter Inn, was, you know, globally rated um, at the time. Um, I think it's still your top-rated Australian bar uh, in the 50 best bars ever. Um, and then from there, moved across to Restaurant Hubert, uh, which was the new kind of, uh, kind of expansion of the company that Swillhouse wanted to do. Um, and again... That was actually another kind of like step up for me to, you know, be involved with that um, as their bar manager and seeing someone like, you know, Jason Scott and Anton Forte up close and the attention to detail that they give to, to building a space was very instructive. You know, we're talking, you know, it was a seven figure operation. We were talking, you know, 375 capacity, three bars, but no detail was too small. You know, even if they set something up and they decided it didn't fit the aesthetic, that was it's. It's been quite daunting to, to see the attention that, you know, the real people at the top of their game um, gave to something. Um, yeah, and that was, that was great fun, maybe too much fun. Um, you know, hospitality can, can take a bit of a toll. Uh, 
Um, so I decided to, to move down to Melbourne um, for the uh, kind of change, change, change things. It had been like eight years in Sydney. Um, I came down here as part of the opening team for the Hotel Esplanade, um, which in itself was, was another uh, fantastic, huge operation. Um, I was looking after kind of the cocktail bar at the top floor there and Sandhill Road, again, some fantastic people at the top with great vision, great drive. Um, and attention to detail, second to none, really. Um, I mean, if you've ever been to The Ghost, uh, which is the cocktail bar, that's just that's a work of art in itself. I mean, that should be winning every design award going um, when you actually look at what's gone into it. Um, but more than that, it was a really good introduction to Melbourne. Um, and if you're, if you're a Melbourne local, then you're like, well, of course it's the best city in the world. But moving here, you hear so much about what Melbourne is. Um, and, you know, you're like, well, you know, does it match the hype? And it absolutely does. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great city. It's got so many layers to it. I find like Sydney is a city that, you know, it's, it's so brash and it's right there and it kind of gives you everything and that's great fun. Um, but Melbourne's like much more kind of, you know, densely layered. It's like the onion, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I love the um, fact, Brendan, that you speak, speak, sort of speak about moving to Melbourne for the quiet life and then go and open up the SP, <laughs> which is just like so busy and so pumping. But as you say, that bar up the top, um, named after Alfred Felton, who's yeah, one of the people that I guess helped create Melbourne as a cultural capital with a oh huge gosh. bequest to the NGV. Yeah. Um, it is a hidden gem and it's, the detail in that design is extraordinary. So it's it was his old apartment and it's decked out a bit like an apartment um i think you instantly feel five percent smarter when you walk in there and yeah it's just a really a really great space and i also just want to um yeah just interrupt this really great story of yours with just when you said i wish i could work in hospitality full-time and also be an mp on the side and i want (laughs) to know more about this political um bent to your to your vibe but um have you and if you haven't and anyone who's listening please do go and look at aoc so Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, an uh, American politician. Uh, another another former bartender. Huh? Exactly. exactly. And just re- yeah. recently on her stories, she did this whole bit about hospitality and about the the skills that you build in hospitality and the pathways that can lead to it and lead from it. And that, you know, just to, I guess, to put a diff, put a different value on hospitality work that is often put on it, like it is, you know, yeah, it's it's really powerful and inspiring. So I would love everyone to check out her Insta and um, look at one of her recent highlights about Hospo. It's very good. Um, so Brendan, sorry to no, not at all. Man, take over briefly, but like, yeah, she even she even went back and like did a shift at her old bar, um, like a couple of years ago or something. She like after she got elected to Congress. You know, you can look it up. There's a clip of her making cocktails. I mean, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And hospital, like, there's a lot of, like, crossovers I've found. Like, it, it's a people-facing job. It relies on empathy. Um, it relies on being able to deal with people who are often very upset. Um, but while kind of keeping yourself calm, um, it's a lot of multitasking, you know. It's, yeah, there's definitely, you know, people, people who are good at uh, politics, even politics with a small p. You know, um, I think good at hospitality. Yeah. Um, you know, and hospitality itself, my God, it's riven with gossip and, and scheming and, and, you know, bad, bad behavior and, you know, <laughs> you know all sorts of, uh, you know, kind of secrets and lies, all sorts of things to it as well. Um, due to, I think, the nature of the industry. So I can see a crossover with that. Um, 
And oh, I suppose also like to put a positive spin on it. You know, yeah, it makes them sound like the worst people, doesn't it? At its best, <laughs> <laughs> politics and hospitality are about, you know, making the world better. Like, um, They're about quality of life, aren't they, though? Yeah. You know, it's, like, about, it's about making quality of life. You know, why do you come to a bar? You don't, you know, you can get drunk at home for about a fifth of the price if that's what you want, but that's not just what you want. Yeah. Um, you come here to, to be made to feel special, to feel that your life's, that you've done something, you know, worth live rather than just like kind of sleep, eat, work, repeat. You know, yeah. politics is, should be about making uh, making people's lives better. Um, yeah, other than three word slogans, you know. Yep, totally yeah, love that. You know, yeah. all, right, all right, so pick it up. You were you were making an amazing cocktail on the fourth floor <laughs> of the Esplanade Hotel, and then Absolutely. what happened next in your life? Um, the Esplanade uh, that uh, was a good gig. Um, and it didn't work out uh, because I was going through. I think I was going through a bit of a personal time, actually. If I'm honest with you. Um, you know, hospitality, it, it can, again, I, it looks like, I like I'm dwelling on negatives, but it can also, you know, um, it can allow you to indulge some of the, you know, kind of bad habits you might have in life. Um, so I had a, I, yeah, I had a, I had a tough couple of years personally. Um, and then kind of, it was kind of good to be in Melbourne, you know, it was kind of good to be away from some bad influences that I had in Sydney. Um, and being a little bit older as well, it was kind of like, tried to take stock a bit. I was like, okay, you know, I've kind of come through, I've worked at these great bars, you know, I've had some fun, raised some hell. Um, but, you know, where do I want to go with that? Um, who do I want to work with? And I was like, well, I'll open a venue, um, which, you know, is, is the kind of the genesis of, of Yarra Falls. Tell us what Yarra Falls is. Like, tell us some of its distinguishing features, Brendan. Look, I think first and foremost, we've got to talk about the waterfall. Um, I think we do. <laughs> I think we do. I think with the waterfall in the room. Um, <laughs> well, um, so... I suppose I'd talk about the building first. Um, you know, so I wanted to do, I didn't have the name Yarra Falls picked out. Um, I had some real stinkers, uh, stinker names for this venue before I found the right one. Um, but I knew I wanted something that, you know, spoke to uh, a sense of place. Um, this land along the river here. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, stories that you can draw from that. So if you're, you know, you, again, it's a, always within a, like a respectful, consensual um, atmosphere, but you know, if you're talking anything from, from the very first stories to myself, you know, I'm, I'm just moved to Melbourne a couple of years ago. You know, Melbourne is a, is a great city, great city that's made up of the people in it. So I wanted to talk about place. You know, you can talk about that in terms of projects. You can talk about that in terms of um, music. You know, our playlists rely very heavily on, on kind of like Melbourne artists, and, you know, Australian indigenous artists as well. Um, and then I spent about six months trying to find the right spot. Um, I had some really good advice from a chap called Rob Liebikens, uh, who's one of the uh, uh, geniuses behind Caretakers Cottage. Have you been down there yet? I have been to Caretakers. It is yeah. a great spot, very special. Great spot. Yeah, yeah, good, good spot. Um, and, you know, he had a good bit of experience. And his advice was, um, if you're going to go looking for, like, a venue space, just look at everything, even if it, like, looks really kind of a bit rubbish on paper, because you'll learn something from, from each kind of viewing that you do. Uh, which was great advice. So there was a lot of, you know, I saw a few turkeys, um, saw a couple of prize hands, but, the you know, couldn't get the deal just right. I had some really good people in this industry giving me advice, um, people like uh, Jason Chan, um, you know, or Ian Ling, um, who are, you know, very successful um, in this industry themselves. And eventually uh, I came across this little space at Tavistock House. So Tavistock House here at 381 Flinders Lane, um, is uh, actually one of your oldest buildings still uh, standing in Melbourne. Um, it was built in 1850. 
So it's one of nine pre-gold rush buildings left in the city of Melbourne metropolitan area because everything got, you know, rebuilt, certainly with the gold rush and then marvelous Melbourne. Um, the upper levels of it um, actually got redeveloped again in the 1920s, and, but the whole exterior is heritage listed um, in its facade. So where this uh, building is, it was actually built on the site of a former hotel that was built in 1836 called the Ship Inn. So 1836 is only a year after Batman turned up. And I was like, okay, so you're, you're talking about, you know, I'm wanting to you know, build a venue on a, on a place where as long as, you know, the colony's been here, people have been, you know, kind of getting fed and watered. So I was like, that's pretty cool um, in one sense. And then kind of looking at the, you know, the geography of where we're at, the building itself is about 100 meters from the Queen Street Bridge. And the Queen Street Bridge runs at that odd little angle across the river because it was built on the remains of the waterfall that used to be on the river. Um, and that was like new to me. Um, now, there's like a Wikipedia article on it. You can look it up. It's not particularly obscure, but it's surprising how many even kind of Melbourne natives are, are unaware of that little piece of history. So there used to be a long, low kind of tidal waterfall that ran right across the river. Um, it separated the freshwater from the seawater. Um, it was the main crossing point of the river for, for first peoples who were here. Um, for all that time. And it in itself was a, a willem. It was a, it, was a, it was a meeting place. It was a place of ceremony, of business. It was a boundary place. Waterways, um, this is something that I've learned. Uh, waterways are, are um, important kind of boundary markers. And when Batman turned up to, to steal the country in 1835, um, that was as far as the European ships could travel up the river. They were blocked by, by the waterfall. So that's when he writes that line in his diary, this will be the place for a village. So the waterfall is why Melbourne is where it is. Um, and I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. Um, the, itself, the waterfall itself was removed, blown up in 1883 um, to kind of alleviate the chronic uh, flooding issues that the city had. Um, but they built the bridge over the top of it. So every time you walk across the Queen Street Bridge, you're crossing in the exact kind of spot and angle and direction that people crossed, you know, um, crossed the river for tens, tens of thousands of years, um, which is, yeah, kind of pretty amazing thing uh, kind of um, to think about. So, yeah, and then I was like, okay. It's really Yalafal. amazing. Isn't it's, it just? Um, yeah, isn't and it's, it, it is amazing to, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's just have your mind open to it, isn't it? To be able to connect with, with place in, yeah, in a better yeah. way. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of, like, we, you know, I think people like to talk about place. And there's definitely, certainly with, you know, um, you know the millennial generation, my generation and younger, there's a hunger for um, a connection with place or authenticity of place, I think. Um, you know, um, you can even, if you want you know, to talk about food and drink, you know, that's a concept of terroir, right? Where mm-hmm. something reflects the kind of the, the elements um, of, of where it's from. Um, so that was, that was pretty amazing. And I was like, okay, um, Yarra Falls. All right, let's, 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 let's go with Yarra Falls. It suddenly seemed like a, a nice name for it. It's got three syllables, which is always good for a name. Um, and uh, it kind of works in a couple of ways. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit like Night Falls, you know, Yarra Falls. So if you're talking about something that's a sense of place, Yarra Falls. Um, it's also an interesting um, use of the word Yarra. Like, now it's, it's something that is getting more well known is that Yarra isn't the actual name of the river um, in, in the local kind of uh, Kulin languages. Um, this isn't obviously my kind of knowledge, but 
uh, you can go and look it up, what, what the name of the river actually is. It's pretty well known. It means River of Mists, which is pretty cool. But at no stage has any of the, you know, the, the kind of the, the actors in the field, and I've spoken to some quite senior elders as well. Um, at no point has anyone gone that this was an inappropriate project to continue. They just said, take your time um, and continually come back for consent. And that's been great because at heart, you know, Yarra Falls, it isn't a theme bar. We're not, we're not a theme bar. I'm not repackaging, you know, um, other people's culture for other people's enjoyment. Um, what we're about, we're is acknowledgement where it's appropriate um, and starting to, again, coming back to that central idea of putting natives in context where it's appropriate and consensual. Um, and it's great. You know, we've got this little 25-seat bar. Um, we work with brands that kind of share ethos and values. So people like Applewood, for example, um, or Little Brunswick Wines are businesses that don't just acknowledge, but they, you know, actively um, support Indigenous-owned or supporting businesses as well. So it's about, you know, I was trying to sum it up one day and someone said it's pretty much paying the rent, isn't it? I was like, yeah. It's about trying to pay the rent where, where possible. Um, wow! Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm. It, it's it's complex. There's a lot to it, and yeah, I, I think it's um, yeah, it's just a it's a great acknowledgement of yeah. the the place that the that you're on, the, the country we're all on, um, and yeah, just so much food for thought as well yeah. as a, a nice place to to have a drink. Well, that's it. At heart, everyone just. You know, it's, it's about good fun, good times, good chance, you know, and that's a universal, right? doesn't matter what, what culture you're from. People like, like to come to a nice space. They like to have a nice drink, whether it's alcoholic or not, and listen to some good music. You know, yeah. come back to right at the start of the podcast. We're like, why do people go out? They go out to feel that they're kind of, you know, um, making the most of their life. And if they want to, you know, if they want to talk a bit about other things, if, it, if they come here and it makes them go and do a bit of research and learning afterwards, and that's great. But if you just want to come here and get a bit loose and, you know, try and chat up the person next to you respectfully, then you can do that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Brendan, you know, the first thing that I'm going to have when I come in is I'm going to ask you to make me a glass of water. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, it's great. I always thought it was fantastic, you know. Lots Um, of ice and a big slice of lemon is the key. Yeah, I love it. Well, um, what a journey, and obviously you're still on it, uh, as we all are. But, yeah, congrats on Yarra Falls, Brendan, and thanks so much for giving us an insight into everything that's brought you to this point. Um, real pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, Danny. Have a great day. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is...